Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Lucy Talks. I'm your host Lucy Woodward and I'm so excited to have you listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoy it. conversations about things that really matter in life from climate change to confidence from mental health to happiness i hope this podcast helps you find something you're looking for hi morag thank you so much for coming on my podcast this morning could you start by maybe giving a little bit of an overview about who you are just in your own words and yeah a bit of an overview of your career maybe and how you got to where you are now yeah no problem and thanks very much for inviting me along um i'm morag and I am a pharmacist by background. I grew up in Scotland and um, studied up in Robert Gordon's University in Aberdeen and then went on to do my uh, what was called a pre-registration year. So it's sort of half studying, half working in Perth in Scotland and then on to various different pharmacy roles within Edinburgh, uh, working for Boots. And then um, in 2003, I went for a role in the head office in Nottingham and to my surprise, got the role. <laughs> so I think that was one of the questions at my second interview. You do realise you have to relocate for this job. I was <laughs> like, yeah. And then uh, moved to Nottingham. And um, yeah, here I am still 20 years after that. So yeah, lots of various different roles within Boots. Um, lots within the pharmacy sector, getting involved in various different projects and online clinics and running the independent medical agency and um, setting up services. So super interesting um, and really innovative stuff at the, the sort of, you know, at the time when not many people were doing that. And then in 2000 and goodness, when was it? 2017, I was approached um, to take on the role of uh, head of CSR. So that's corporate social responsibility and then latterly they brought in sustainability as part of that role as well so again that constant involvement of of learning something new um, and I spent five years in that role um, which was excellent and was able to work with some incredible um, organisations working on partnerships like the Boots and Macmillan um, Cancer Support Partnership and various others and as I say the opportunity to to dive deeper into sustainability um, was brilliant. Um, Mm. And then at the back end of 2021, after 25 years service with Boots, I felt that that was the right time to think there's there's got to be, you know, something else. What what if, you know, either I stay with Boots and, you know, I I can go on and and, uh, work the rest of my working life sort of thing. Or do I take a leap of faith and see what else is there? And actually, my curiosity got the better of me Mm. and um, decided to see you know, what else is there, took a bit of a break. And then um, last year I set up my own consulting business and I've just got involved in lots of various different projects um, in a different capacity. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's so much to dive into there. Yeah, you've had such a varied career. And I think there's like, what I find really impressive is you've had such a long commitment to one company and then haven't been scared to kind of mix it up. And like you say, follow your curiosity and I think the the thread of innovation is really interesting as well throughout that. So I'm sure we'll touch on that. Um, and just for context for any listeners. So um, I was first introduced to Morag at a sustainability careers event that I went to um, about two months ago now. 
and yeah I was just like really impressed my eyes were really kind of opened to all of the the different things that are kind of in that space that you work in um so hopefully for the listeners a similar experience um but I wonder if we could go back to the start of your career kind of to around the similar time where I am now so I've just finished my degree about to graduate this summer and don't have any real set plans at the moment we'll be looking for a job in the future um I wonder what advice you have um what were your experiences in the early stages of your career kind of leaving the framework of education yeah so I think um for me um and, and probably the degree that I chose to do, uh, and that was a Bachelor of Science that was back then in pharmacy, four-year degree up in Scotland. I think it's maybe a little bit different because you've kind of got some obvious choices from a pharmacy degree perspective, you know, whether you go into community, into hospital, into industry. And of course, there's always, there's academia and there's loads of other roles, as I now understand. But back then it felt quite sort of um, in, in those segments. Um, and I did spend some time during my summer times. Um, I, I did some work for Boots as, as a, a summer student, but also took the opportunity to do some work experience in some hospitals and um, a drug misuse clinic as well. Um, and, and just trying to understand where I felt that my energy and passion lay, if you like. And I think that's when I decided that community pharmacy was for me. Um, and so that's where my my path led, if you like. Um, and on leaving um, university as a pharmacy student, and again back then, it's, it's slightly different now as we we head into the future. So it's great that it keeps to evolving. You had this year of a pre registration, so you were working full time, but you were also studying. And at the end of that, you had an exam. And I think I was only the second year to sit that exam because it was introduced um you know fairly recently although I recognize that's now going back 25 years or so um but yeah so so you did have that kind of semi-structure of working and studying um but then obviously as you then graduate into being um a, a full pharmacist if you like and on the on, on the professional register um that was what was a bit different that was my time in Edinburgh and I suppose that's when as students we all sort of separate and you you end up keeping in touch with you know the people that you're um mm -hmm. close with etc but you maybe lose touch with others so you you kind of lose that network and, and it's important to build up the network you need at that moment in time so I think that's again one of the learnings I've had throughout my career is making sure that you have the right support network around you and you know who you can um, go to for a bit of a chat and a, you know some counsel and and who you're going to be there for as well. So mm. yeah, that's that's one of my recommendations. Yeah, absolutely. Because that is one of the things that's on my mind currently. I'm like saying goodbye to people and you know seeing people for the last time potentially for quite a long time because I don't know when I'll next see them and it is quite a daunting thing kind of heading out of the uni bubble because it definitely is a bubble. Um, and yeah, I think like you say it's it's kind of mm. the new network is important to build up so yeah and of um, course now it's much easier isn't it with all the social media and you know whatsapp groups and all sorts you know yeah um, it's much easier to do that and and be able to to set up specific network groups on topics of interest and following other people's careers through linkedin mm. it's, it's a lot easier now to do that yeah mm. yeah that's an interesting point i think it's yeah, it's kind of two halves, isn't it? Because you, you feel like you're more in touch with people, but then, I don't know, sometimes I feel that because I'm like sort of in touch and like aware of what people are doing because of what I've seen them post, it's 
you don't have that that catch up so um yeah it's it's kind of two halves but that's a whole different topic um (laughs) (laughs) um I wonder what advice you have for kind of then moving up through a company or moving through a career not necessarily just through one company but how did you feel when you were kind of taking on more responsibility and was that something that came naturally to you yeah it was it was kind of a gradual process if I'm honest um you know, there's certain points where you think, oh, I'm really going to go for that. You see something like when I moved from Edinburgh into and into the role in Nottingham, you see it and you go for it and you, you know, you give it your absolute all. And then other times it can be, um, you know, the people that you work with, you build relationships, you maybe have, um, whether it's official or unofficial kind of mentor relationships with people and perhaps they see um something in you that maybe you don't see in yourself and they they present opportunities to you and I would just encourage you to to say yes mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and, and and be really curious about what else there is and and um you know taking an interest in what other people do maybe finding out more if you if you do find yourself in an organization who are all the different people the players the the, the different parts of the organization that help to make it move um, and where are the, the the roles that maybe interest you most and maybe spend some time shadowing, you know, and that's a great opportunity in a, in, in large organisations. I'm sure it's similar in, in smaller ones as well, where you could spend a day or half a day, you know, shadowing somebody, understanding a bit more around their role. And then you can kind of rule that in or rule that out because, that, you know, it, it can be difficult to think you know, you, you might end up having a career conversation where somebody says, where do you want to see yourself in five years mm-hmm. time or 10 years time? And for some people, that's really difficult to articulate. Um, and I was one of those. But what I was able to do through that kind of shadowing and understanding and being curious and speaking with people was maybe rule out some of the options. So again, it just helps to steer you which direction mm-hmm. do you know you don't want to go. Therefore, then, you know, you've got you've got different options on where you're moving towards. Um and I think a part part of that is, as I say, being curious, but also that kind of building relationships. Mm. So, you know, real trusted relationships with the people that, that you know, um, are going to maybe be part of your career going forward. And as I say, may spot opportunities that you maybe didn't think. They might go, oh, have you thought about this? And you're like, oh, I hadn't actually. Uh, but now you come to mention it and then they might point out some strengths that you've got that again it can be difficult to do that when you're talking about yourself but much easier you know to talk about it for somebody else and equally you might be doing something similar for other people going oh I've seen this role looks right up your street Mm. hadn't noticed it you know that sort of thing so trying to um, make sure that you you know actively through that kind of networking building relationships um, and and you know sort of curiosity you're you're keeping your mind open um but then being true to yourself you know it's not about just taking every job <laughs> that yeah. comes up um it's got to be something that that really floats your boat and and that you find a passion and interest you've got an energy for otherwise you know it can be a bit um difficult to be, be in a job that you're not enjoying yeah. you spend so much time at work if you intend to work full-time you're there so much <laughs> you know you might as well do something that, that you know you find interesting and and really um you know gives you a challenge and and you find exciting yeah yeah definitely yeah I I really hope that the, the job that I end up having maybe not initially I guess but at least like long term is something that I really care about and I know that for me, like sustainability and climate change is something that I care about a lot. 
and I guess this would be a good time to touch upon that aspect of your work so I'm aware that initially it was the more the like social responsibility but like you say that that then became a sustainability role as well so I wonder if you could touch upon maybe some specific examples of projects that you worked on in that role or kind of what the aims were. Yeah, and again, this is something that sort of comes about naturally as part of company reorganisations. The opportunity in the first place came up because of a reorganisation. Um, and, you know, that was something that that really interested me. But for whatever reason, I um, wrongly had ruled out that, you know, they would need a pharmacist in that role. But actually, when it was explained to me, I thought, oh, goodness, yeah, it makes absolute sense for, you know, a business like Boots to have a pharmacist in that in that role. Mm. But um, so, again, had, had I been more curious or done something differently with my networking, maybe that opportunity could have come up sooner. But um, it was great that it did um, come up. And as I say, in, initially, it was social responsibility and you know, working on the incredible partnerships that, that Boots already had, but an opportunity to reassess and look at new partnerships and then over time um, sustainability being brought in. And again, that was just the recognition that whilst the company was already doing really great stuff in that area, it was about trying to bring it together under one umbrella to be able to um, talk more about the impact and make sure that we were sort of gathering all the insights because it's absolutely impossible for a small team of six to do everything you absolutely need to rely on every other person in that organization so it was about galvanizing everybody together and and building up um you know that swell and um you know passion across the company for everybody to be pushing that little bit and mm. and making the difference because when you have that volume of people doing something um small and holding you to account it 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 soon adds up and 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 makes the organization go further I think probably one of the the big projects um, in sustainability that um, is still you know still a success as far as I can see because I still follow what Boots does and and see their impact reports annually um, was around the the recycling scheme for um, hard to recycle plastics um, and you know it's not something I can personally take credit for because it's a huge team effort in an organisation like Boots but clearly. Um, being able to to sponsor that initial um, pilot because sometimes things will start as a pilot and then mm. you know once the um, evaluation has been done and the impact of that is seen then you can win over even more hearts and minds and then it becomes something that's you know long lasting and and um, sustainable in itself in a in a different way of using that word and it is still going um, so the the hard to recycle um, plastic scheme for um, health and beauty and well-being products so it initially started in 50 stores and the idea being that we would um, have um, containers that people uh, members of the public customers um, or even not even customers of boots you could bring back any um, beauty product or um, that was hard to recycle so trying not to cannibalize things that could ordinarily be recycled you know in in household recycling mm -hmm. it was things like your pump dispensers your toothpaste tubes the harder to recycle products that maybe household rubbish wouldn't wouldn't take as part of a recycling scheme bringing them into boots depositing them but the the real um, innovative bit was you know linking this up to some technology and again partnering with two or three other organizations to make this work so that um, the products could be scanned so we could measure the impact of how many products were coming back and what sort of products were coming back. 
um, and then being able to reward customers for that through the Advantage Card scheme. So you were giving people a reason to want to change their habits because not everybody is on the same scale as as you in terms of commitment to sustainability. So actually giving that bit of a carrot, if you like, as, mm-hmm. as part of an incentive to encourage people to do that. And it was incredible because in you know that that pilot, um, I think it was something, it was over 50,000 people had registered and there was a huge volume. Um, I think it was over 15 metric tons of um, items that were, were brought back as part of the initial pilot. And as I say, gone on to... Um, you know, continue. And then the next part of that story, because I love it because it's a complete cycle, is that then the plastics would be going on to then be recreated mm. into, I think it was Stormboard, which could then be used to make other items. Um, I think one Christmas, we had some Christmas decorations made from them. But again, I'm sure that's all evolved and moved into yeah. other areas as well, which is brilliant just to see it, you know, keeping on going. Um, and then also, because you've got to think, the that that would cost you know a fair bit of money for boots to put on so you're thinking so where's the value from a you know a company perspective Mm -hmm. because obviously the customer's getting the advantage card points and they're feeling great about being able to recycle um from a boots perspective you were actually gathering information about what Mm -hmm. products people were bringing back um and then thinking about feeding that in potentially into the buying teams to go oh here's a whole load of products that maybe boots doesn't stock why don't we stock these these are obviously popular you know and obviously the footfall coming in in the hope that people would spend money in the store and then that's an opportunity for um colleagues in store to encourage uh, more sustainable options so the whole thing just kind of went round in a, a life cycle so I, I feel that that was a really good foot in the door it was recognized externally as being you know the 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 largest of its kind across the whole of the UK and making it accessible because obviously that's an advantage of a large organization mm-hmm. there's so many of them so close to most you know communities yeah absolutely for people to take part so I think that was that was a definite highlight mm-hmm. um you know being able to to be part of that um, but there were so many if I'm honest yeah no I love I <laughs> yeah. love the circular aspect of that and how at each point there was different rewards for different people because obviously it's it's a great thing to want to recycle and to want to you know do a bit for the planet but like you say like not everyone has the same drive to do that um so yeah I like I like that you mentioned that there's there's other benefits to this it's not just an isolated thing it's not about simply I think think that's where you can get some real wins is when you see holistically that everybody's everybody's able to be part of it feel good about it it is the right thing to do but everybody's getting a benefit as well so that that's what can make things more sustainable and viable in the future because quite often you see a lot of pilots um, Mm -hmm. especially in the healthcare industry I'm quite close to those you see the pilots and it's a great scheme and people want to participate but it's the ongoing where's the funding coming from you know and it's that kind of thing that can sometimes let things down yeah absolutely and I guess linking onto that, so I think something that uh, bugs me a little bit is that just companies in general, this is definitely a sweeping generalization, I'm sure there's exceptions, but it seems to be that there's kind of a hierarchy of different considerations. So the financial one tends to be at the top from from my perspective, and there might be kind of other responsibilities to your employees and that sort of thing. And the sustainability can, tends to get bumped to the bottom. Um, and I wonder 
from your perspective whether that has changed in any way in the last however many years whether it's become higher on the agenda or what we can do to make that not necessarily above the financial um, benefits because obviously that's an important part of a company but just making sure it's a consideration higher in the process rather than a last resort yeah I think I think you're right I can I can sense a little bit of frustration and I can Mm -hmm. understand it to uh to be honest but I do feel I do feel positive about it I do feel that things are changing I I think there's kind of a two-pronged way it's like whatever organization it is your colleagues and your customers are holding to account um also your stakeholders because this is becoming something that you know, investors are really keen on. It's one of the questions they ask of organizations as they're, you know, considering investing or, you know, ongoing investment. What is the business doing in this space? So I think other people holding the organization to account almost kind of encourages them to do that for, for various reasons, but also the desire within to want to do the right thing because the people coming into the organization and in the roles that are making these decisions are you know, increasingly aware of, you know, the impact of their organisation and how it is important to be giving back and to be doing something that um, adds that positive impact, whether it's socially or environmentally. Um, And again, across all the governance across the business as well, um, that's something, again, that's increasingly um, seeing you report on, um, you know, your corporate social responsibility or your environmental social governance it's reported on and as I say that's used then externally for stakeholders investors um you know to 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 have a look at and make sure that um investments are being made in the right place so I do think you know it is it is moving regulation is also something that's catching up um but to be honest I would I would hope that we don't end in this position that we're reliant on the regulation to to force this if you like because I think that can drive a culture of minimum standards rather than people pushing and really trying to, you know, do the best that they possibly can rather than saying, oh, we've been asked to do X, so we'll do yeah. X. Actually, if if you have it within the creative minds within the organisation, they probably push on and do X plus Y plus Z. So, you know, it, it, it really helps when you have people within the organisation that are championing this. And that was certainly my experience within Boots. And I, and I see it outside in other organisations as well, that, you know, it's a genuine, um, authentic mm. need, desire, want to do this. Um, and clearly you have to you have to pick and choose what's right for that organisation, what's material for that organisation. And you find those situations where you get that win, win, win. So it makes sense for the business, the customers, the stakeholders, the organization, the planet, you know, that sort of thing. It all comes together. And those those um, those are the real gems, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really positive outlook on it. Um, Thank you for sharing. Um, So something else that I'd love to talk to you about um, is something that you spoke about in the talk that you did at the event that I went to which was your I think you called it a five pillar portfolio career and I'd love to yeah hear more about this and if you could explain kind of what your five pillars are. Yeah sure Um, so this is something that I came across um, you know after after I'd left Boots and I was just sort of you know I had six months off um, just to to have a bit of decompression if you like after 25 years yeah. of one organization um and just reflect really on on you know the, my career to date and where do I want to go next and I actually 
um, was able to get the support of a career coach um, and they were able to help me open up my my thinking on where you know I might want to go next or what I might want to do rather than going I'll do the same role but in a different organization yeah. I was thinking I really want to do something different it's time for a bit of a change in the same way that I'd taken that leap of faith moving from Scotland down to England and not really knowing what I was getting myself into and absolutely loved it I thought right it's time for another one of those it's time for one of those huge change moments um and I came across again trying to speak to as many people as possible that were in my situation because I feel when I was in Boots my my network that I'd created was specific for the role that I had and actually now I was in a different situation so trying to seek out and again using the platforms like LinkedIn seeking out people that maybe were in similar positions or had done something similar left a large organization after a long period of time and just trying to find out where their thinking was, where their direction of travel was going. And this was where I came across something um, for me for the first time. I don't think it's new, but for me, it was uh, called this portfolio career. And I thought, well, I quite like the sound of this because I love the idea of doing lots of varied things. And that was a, that was one of the brilliant things that I was able to do throughout all the roles that I had in Boots. Um, you were never just working on one piece of work. <laughs> you know, you were you were juggling lots of things at the same time, which, you know, had its pros and its cons at times. Um, but I did enjoy that. I enjoyed the flexibility and the change of topic and the, the way you needed to switch your brain power and apply different things to different um, areas. And so this idea of a portfolio career really appealed, but it still then had a bit of a structure to it because mm -hmm. I, I do like a bit of a structure rather than everything just being a bit of free for all. Um, so in my mind, this was, um, you know, I've, I've picked five pillars. And um, as part of this, we were encouraged to think, actually, if part of moving into this different phase of your career is to think about uh, work life balance and getting maybe a bit more control over that, then one of your pillars really needs to be your personal interest, because if you don't carve out time for that, then you might fall into the same situation yeah. where, you know, it's all work and no play kind of thing yeah. so or or you're reaching burnout because you're trying to do everything <laughs> um so yeah so making sure you've got that pillar that's carved out to go I'm a spending time doing the things I love outside of a work environment so for me that's hiking that's outdoor swimming um and various other things so making sure that you know I've got that in in, in my mind so that for me that's my pillar three and mm -hmm. um, pillar one was setting up my business so my consulting business and within that, I've got three different audiences. So I help um, sort of small, medium-sized businesses to set up or develop the, um, a corporate social responsibility or an environmental social governance agenda um, and get their strategy together. They may already be doing things and trying to pull it under, under one umbrella and being able to sort of group it and measure it and impact. Um, my second audience is charities. So working with charities to help them see the benefits of strategic business relationships um, so quite a few charities haven't gone down that route um, so this is a new avenue so again just trying to help um, explore if that's the right thing for that charity and if so what might that look like and who might good partnerships be um, to help them with their um, ambitions whether that's from a from a financial perspective or whether it's beyond fundraising and again I think that's where it can get a real sweet spot of mm. impact when you've got two organizations that come together that that can achieve even more than they would if they were trying to do it on their own um, and then because of my pharmacy background and I, and um, you know I don't want to lose touch with my profession is doing some pharmacy consulting as well and that 
um, to date seems to have been in the space of pharmacy services and online pharmacy, because that was something that I was heavily involved in at Boots and have a lot of experience um, in doing that. So that's my pillar one. Then again, uh, pillar two, I've, I've put down as sort of my pro bono work. So I am um, a trustee for the Hygiene Bank. This was one of the charities mm. that I helped to introduce and develop the partnership within Boots. And then on leaving Boots and then speaking um, with the chair subsequently as part of my networking last year, the opportunity of becoming a, a trustee came up. And that was something that you know really excited me because I felt that the Hygiene Bank was such an incredible charity um and doing amazing things and they've achieved so much just in such a short space of time to raise the awareness of the hidden crisis of hygiene poverty and now more important than ever in this you know um cost of living crisis mm. <clears throat> it was it was something that that I felt I could help and add some benefit to and you know again a chance to be part of a brilliant team so that's something that I've picked up as well and then my last two pillars one is that ongoing theme of learning. I think you touched on it earlier when you said, oh, what happens when you leave university yeah. and that structure is not there? And for me, learning is a really important thing. I found, mm. um, you know, through some um, coaching that I'd done a, a few years back, I, I realised then that I get my confidence from knowledge. And so therefore, it's really important to me to keep my knowledge up to date. So I can do that in lots of different ways. And more recently, I... I've I've done a Financial Times non-exec director diploma. And again, that helped me with the governance aspects of things when you think about environmental social governance, really um, bringing that into the fore and recognising how you can impact businesses with that. Um, and hopefully in the future, have the opportunity to be a, a non-exec director. Also from a pharmacy perspective, there's lots of opportunities with a continuing professional development, which mm -hmm. obviously I've done over the last 25 years. Um, but again, thinking for me around, I've spent a load of time developing services. I've never developed, I've never delivered them. I've never been at that sharp end of it. So looking to see, right, what would I need to do in order to be able to, to do that perhaps, you know, and see it happening and, and live and breathe it in the community. Cause that's what I absolutely loved about community mm. pharmacy was the making a difference to those individual patients as they, as they come in through the door. Um, so there's huge opportunity to keep doing that, um, and, and that's something I want to make sure that every point in time I've got that, there's something on my wheel that, yeah. that, that is about me learning and developing. And then my last my last pillar, uh, I've alluded to it a little bit there, is recognising that when you start up a business, I'm sure there will be peaks and troughs. It will go up and down. It won't be a case of steady work all the time. So in order to remove any anxiety from that perspective of that that type of career choice, what else would there be in that sort of pillar five that could maybe be a constant? So whether that would be a non-exec director role or a layperson, an advisory role. And again, loads of opportunity within the sphere of either, you know, ESG or actually in the pharmacy and healthcare um, section. And again, picking up, you know, can do some sort of pharmacy work and locum work. Again, a, an advantage of pharmacy as a career that, that that's, a, that's an option. So yeah. it's just that kind of, um helping to take the 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 concerns of a peaks and troughs kind of business opportunity and thinking right okay let's get a a little bit of a steady income so it takes that 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 worry away Absolutely. so that's my five pillars sort of consulting pro bono my personal interests learning and then a sort of a a, a paid role if you like <laughs> 
I love how considered and intentional that is and how like you said you like having variety I definitely relate to that but also enjoying having a structure and again something that I feel kind of apprehensive about like I said with the uncertainty in the future so I love that you've kind of been able to just create that for yourself and to have a spot for each of your different interests and so that they all seem to complement each other really well so yeah I love that Mm -hmm. and I think it's a really useful framework for anyone really to to have a think about at any point of their career even if they're you know in school or later down the line like I think it's it's a really interesting way of thinking about it in terms of identifying it very specifically so I think it helps as well to take away the like so sometimes I might be concerned that I'm not doing enough if you know what I mean in terms of you think oh goodness I've got all this on the go am I giving each one thing my 100% and I think by having this framework it helps to prevent you from overloading yourself and taking on too much in one space so for me with that pro bono work it would be brilliant I would love to do more in terms of like more trusteeships etc but it's just not possible so I have to then say to myself no I've I've allowed myself the capacity to take on one I don't have the capacity to do it you know in multiple places and it helps you to sort of just measure the volume that you're doing in each one and sometimes again then if if your personal interest gets squeezed you're like right hang on what's happening why am I doing that because that's part of you know your well-being um you know we used to do a lot on five ways of well-being um when I was at Boots and I've continued that you know making sure that you you're getting that balance across the different places and I think balance really helps me anyway and, and I'm sure it will help some other people as well and just seeing it sort of laid out in that way my brain switched into that going ah I can see how that works yeah yeah I like it <laughs> yeah absolutely and I can I can relate to that it's very satisfying to have it all, yeah. all planned out I'm very, I'm very visual I think I think yeah. when you do is it Myers-Briggs and and um I think it's the S and in, in the the sort of the sensing if I see it I believe it and so when I saw this plan and I mapped it out for myself and populated it I thought right I can get that now mm-hmm. yeah definitely um I'm aware that I don't want to eat into too much of your time um but yeah I know that you've given lots of different pieces of advice throughout this whole episode and the question that I like to finish all of my episodes with and ask everyone that I invite on the podcast is what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given this can be something random maybe something from an elder or you know anything that someone has told you that's really stuck with you yeah um this is a toughie because I've had lots I've had Mm. lots of really helpful pieces of advice along the way I'm sure some not so helpful but I don't really remember (laughs) those ones Um, I suppose that's the beauty with advice you can either take it or not um but I think the one that's really stuck and has stood me in really good stead is building relationships so really understanding you know um from a stakeholder perspective um whatever role you're in who are your stakeholders and what relationship do you need to have with them and what relationship do you actually have with them because they Mm. might not be that might not match up you know so for for where you are and the role that they're in what is the relationship you need and therefore then what are you going to do to be able to have that relationship and for me um a real value of mine is authenticity and so one of the things that I just it it sends shivers up my spine is when somebody's building a relationship for the sake of it Mm. and you're just like oh I feel really cringy and it's like 
you know, it's almost like a forced thing. And so I really try to make sure that when I'm building relationships and understanding what makes people tick and where my role fits in with theirs and how we can mutually work together um, for the good of the, hopefully, the common goal that we've got and establishing those things is really building those authentic relationships. So just genuinely trying to understand the person, what are their values, you know, what are their goals, their ambitions, what are they trying to achieve? Where is it that we have a common goal that we can both work on and both be really excited about doing that? Um, and, and making sure that you have the the right network of relationships as well. Mm. So yeah, I think that would be the, the piece of advice was that building trusted relationships um, and for me being authentic with that, yeah. Yeah, I love how within that you have the kind of the side coming from yourself and like your responsibility to be authentic towards others and also the fact that maybe not everyone will be authentic towards you and having that kind of boundary with with other people and adjusting as you feel fit. So I think that's something that I'd like to, you know, take forward as well. Um, thank you so much, Morag, for coming on the podcast. I've loved, loved this conversation and yeah, we've touched on so many different things and it'll be lovely to kind of listen back when I edit it and to, you know, reabsorb it all again. Um, but thank you so much for your time. No, you're more than welcome. I'm happy for you to stay in touch if if I can be of any help in the future. Thank you so much.